Welcome back into Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR Sports Radio 550, hour two of three. We're here with you until three o'clock, but we do have coverage up until kickoff at 8. 15. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Derek Kramer, Zachary Jones on the board. We are previewing tonight's wild card matchup between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots in Orchard Park. And joining us now on the line, it's Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports. Jeff, what's going on, my man? Lou, how's it going, my friend? Uh, it's, I'm going. Uh, I'm doing pretty well. It's an intense night between the Bills and Patriots, and we were talking about it earlier. Just, you know, Jeff, it feels a little more personal, right? I feel like the the Patriots people wanted to reclaim the dynasties back on, and they're the powerhouse in the AFC East. And I think Bills fans took that personally, and I still think the Bills are the team that can be great. And I think they have the higher ceiling, and I think they want to prove that tonight pretty badly. Yeah, I think this is a statement game for the Buffalo Bills. You know, they're the first team since the realignment, other than the Patriots, to repeat as AFC East champions. And yeah. let's face it, they beat the Patriots band the second time. I, I still write off that first game. It was cold weather. It was just a weird game. Mac Jones just did not want to throw the football because mm-hmm. Belichick didn't make him. It's just a weird game for them. I, you know, I think this is the best possible matchup for the Buffalo Bills this weekend. Ooh. Huh, interesting. What was the team that, if you were Buffalo, you were hoping to avoid the most? In the wildcard round, I mean, obviously they weren't going to play Cincinnati yeah. unless they they didn't win the division. So they took care of that. So, I mean, I, I feel like Oakland would have uh, – not Oakland, Vegas. I, I, yeah. For some reason I'm saying Oakland this week. I, I watched Super Bowl 37 this morning, so I'm thinking Oakland. But, <laughs> yeah, we forgive yeah. you. Yeah, so I, I think Vegas would have been a problem just because they're tough. They're that team, like, they get bullied, but they fight back. I feel like Vegas would have been an interesting matchup because yeah. they, don't, they don't play in cold weather. But I just like how the Bills match up against the Patriots. I, I feel like there's, you know, we talk about how there's five really good teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's some really good teams in the AFC here. Tennessee, Kansas City, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and then the rest, it's, it's everybody else. Like, I think New England's got a really good defense. I think they're a good team. Yeah. I just don't feel like they could beat these AFC powers. Yeah, Jeff, I agree. And, you know, they've they've lost three of their last four. And right now I think they've definitely come back down to earth. And I think team uh, people are starting to realize more who they are. Uh, but when they were winning those seven straight games, like, where was your head at? with? Because, again, there was just so many people I saw that were saying, here comes Belichick Brady in the Super Bowl, right? Uh, Mac Jones is Potentially the new Tom Brady, this feels very much like the 2001 Patriots. I mean, I didn't really truly buy into the hype mostly because I'm very about quarterback. I'm a very quarterback-centric person when it comes to roster building. And I always feel like you're capped with a player like Mac Jones. Where was your head at when the Patriots were like at the height of their powers this year? I'm the who-did-they-play guy. And, you know, they're not beating these world beaters here. They're beating the New York Jets. And I'm just thinking to myself, okay, like, New England's a a good team. and They're winning the games they should. Great. They still can't beat the Dolphins. I wanted to see how they did against the Bills. And they shut me up for a couple weeks. But I still wasn't convinced, like, they were a better team than the Buffalo Bills. I'm like, well, Buffalo will see them again. You know, they got an easy schedule the rest of the year. They'll take care of business. And, look, the Bills beat the teams they should have beat. I mean, and they did beat Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They beat some good football teams this year. So, you know, everybody acting like, well, you know, when the Bills get punched in the mouth, they don't beat anybody. Well, that's just not true. I yeah. mean, they, they, beat, they beat some really good football teams this year. And, you know, I mean, really the only time I thought the Bills got their butts beaten, you know, was the Indianapolis Colts. And right. we saw what happened there. They're not in the playoffs anymore. So I think this team was built to go to the playoffs. I think they're built to make a playoff run. They have the number one defense in the league. You have a, a franchise quarterback in Josh Allen. Everything's set. Oh, and by the way, they're starting to run the football again. Yeah. Yeah. And 
Jeff, you mentioned the the opponents that New England played during the height of their powers, that seven-game win streak, and you'd mentioned it starts with the Jets, Chargers, Panthers, Browns, Falcons. All five of them are not playoff teams, and then they end up with a Derrick Henry-less Titans team and a Bills game where they had to throw the ball only three times. So it's not like New England was really playing with this amazing capability of high-end talent. So, Jeff, the big thing for me is New England looks like they're just a safe floor team. And the only thing that you need to really do, though, is just make sure that you get them out of a positive game script, Uh, making sure that they have to make sure that Mac Jones has to throw the football because when have we seen him really win a game for New England this year? No, he's been a really good game manager, and he's been the best rookie quarterback by far out of all the other ones. I, I like the job Mac Jones has done this year. He's controlled the game, but if you get New England behind, and there's a way to do this tonight, and I'm sure you guys know this, mm-hmm. New England gives up a lot of yards on the ground. 270 to the Titans, 226 to Indianapolis, 195 to the Dolphins, the Dolphins of all teams. You know, the, it's it's insane how – this team is easily beatable, but yet they found out a way to go 10-7. and seven. And it just seems like – you guys are right. It's a tale of three seasons for them. Yep. It's the one and three start, then they had the, the six, seven-game win streak, and then they lost three or four after the bye week to close the year because they played some teams with a pulse here, and two of them were in their division. So I, I think, you, you know, if you can get off to an early lead and control the clock, run the football, and make Mac Jones throw it, I think you have this team beat. Yeah, Jeff, I don't know. Again, I, the Patriots are a good team, and Mac Jones is an accurate passer. I think there's a certain floor with with him, but I don't know. I just I would never – it's hard for me. I would definitely, as a general manager, miss a lot because I would go for the upside of a quarterback like Josh Allen, and maybe that results in me taking a Paxton Lynch. But, um, you know, at, at the same time, it's like I don't know if I could ever convince myself to take a Mac Jones in the first round because I don't know how much better he can get. But I do feel like if anybody was going to take him and if anybody did foresee this kind of season coming with the Patriots, it's Bill Belichick because he's so obsessed with creating a strong roster in the process and coaching and, you know, of team first mindset that to me, I I think Mac Jones is kind of perfect for New England. What's a shame with Mac Jones is I actually like the guy, but I I feel like the Patriots spend a lot of money for average receivers. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you're, you're spending money on Kendrick Bourne and Nelson Aguilar. You're like, does that really move the needle here? Like, their tight ends are great. You know, you got Hunter Henry, you got John New Smith. That works for them. And, yeah. and that's that, that's great for Mac Jones' rookie year. But Mac Jones doesn't have any help on the outside. And it's really frustrating. Like, Jacoby Myers didn't have his first receiving touchdown to this year. And the Patriots have been really predicated on throwing the ball to the tight ends and this awesome running game they have. I mean, I love Riamondre Stevenson. I, I think do, too. Been a great, yeah. yeah, Yeah, he's a great power back for them. Damian Harris, you know. He seems to show up every single week, 15 rushing touchdowns this year. It's This is a team that they can beat you running the football, and you have guys like Brandon Bolden, who's a good scat back out of the backfield. You have these guys that can make plays for you. It, it's not a perfect offense by any means, but it's an offense that works well for Mac Jones. The problem is they spend all this money trying to uh, upgrade the wide receiver position, and I don't think it's any better this year than the one that they left with last year. Sure. Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports joining us on the West Her Hotline. So, Jeff, my big thing with the renewed optimism with the Bills is the big flaw everyone was looking at this team halfway through the season, the lack of balance. And now you're looking at a Bills team that's kind of revitalized their running game a little bit, uh, mainly highlighted by Devin Singletary. How is it more dangerous for this Bills team when it comes to the playoffs as a whole, not just tonight, if they are able to continue with this balance? 
Well, that's the, I think Josh Allen really gets that running game going because, you know, you guys saw, uh, yeah. you know, he's first quarterback ever to have 4,000 passing yards and 750 rushing yards in a season, 17-game season or not. That's insane for any quarterback to do. And Josh Allen was the one to do it. And, you know, you have to worry about him taking off or him doing these bootlegs and trying to find ways to, to stretch out the running game. And then that frees up guys like, you know, your Devin Singletary's of the world and your Zach Mosses, who kind of has fallen out of, out of the equation a bit. Matt Breida's been nothing. But the Bills have been able to run for, you know, 150, 160, 170 yards these past couple of weeks is because of Josh Allen and Devin Singletary. It's, it, it's, when you have to worry about a Stephon Diggs and a Dawson Knox and a Gabe Davis and an Emmanuel uh, uh, Sanders, you know, yep. you're, you're, you're thinking about, okay, how can we stop their passing game on the night in the cold? Well, you're going to put eight men in the box. That's fine. Josh Allen can still – there's still ways that Buffalo could beat them. I still think they just got to commit to the run and kind of use that run to set up the pass. Jeff, what are your thoughts on earlier on the show I said – I mean, I don't know if this is crazy, but I think the 2020 Bills were a lot better than this year's team. But is it crazy for me to say I feel like just based on the NFL landscape right now and with how well Josh Allen is playing that, that they have a better chance of winning it all this year than last year? I think they do because the AFC is wide open. Like yeah. last year's Bills team, I think their ceiling was AFC Championship game, Kansas City Chiefs in Arrowhead, and then I'm like, look, I love this team, but they don't have a chance to beat Kansas City. Mm-hmm. This year, I, I think they have an excellent chance to beat Kansas City, and it's a shame because if they win and Kansas City wins like they should, they're going to play each other around too soon, which I think is very unfortunate for all of professional football that these two are going to be in the divisional round because I think they're the two best teams in the AFC right now. I, I, look, I think Tennessee getting Derrick Henry back is huge, but yes. they don't scare me like Kansas City, like Buffalo does. These are the teams that I, I feel like there's more of a path for the Bills to go to the Super Bowl this year, even as a three seed, than there was last year when they're the two seed because they played a really good Colts team. And, you know, it, 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 I mean, they had a tough wild card game last year. They did. Let's be honest. And, you know, they worked their way through that, you know. And Baltimore, I thought, was a really tough opponent for them last year. But they had Lamar Jackson's number in that game. And I, I think the more games the Bills get to play at home, unfortunately they're only getting one, is the, the more dangerous they are. But if there's any year they can knock off Kansas City, it's this year. The problem is Kansas City just doesn't lose games in their head. Right. That's a, that's a good point. And I think, Jeff, the other reason, again, is – Josh Allen, I mean, you mentioned the stat of how, you know, he's the only player to have over 4,000 passing yards, over 750 rushing yards. You also tweeted out uh, this week that, you know, players with 5,000 yards of total offense this year, it's Tom Brady, Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen, who has 5,006 yards. I mean, I don't know, outside of, I don't think he's going to win MVP. I think Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady will, but outside of those two, I mean, who's playing better football right now than Allen? I mean, I think Mahomes, most people would take over Allen still, but, you know, heading into the playoffs, I don't know if there's a, a better player in the AFC right now with how they're playing now than Allen I've been trying to tell people this all year Josh Allen is an elite quarterback and every major statistic proves it I mean you know there's no sugarcoating stats here you know it's not Mm -hmm. oh you know minimum this attempt no no Josh Allen is a top five quarterback in this league and this whole talk of him regressing this year I know I know every Bills fan has loved hearing like yeah. From national writers, Josh Allen has regressed. I'm like, where, where are you guys seeing regressed? I think the you Bills know? have regressed, but I don't think he has in any way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he's the reason why the Bills are 11 and six this year. Right. And, you know, that's the thing. The Bills are always going to be competitive as long as Josh Allen's on the football field. It's, it's just the way it is. And, I, you know, and what's crazy is if you look at the stats, Buffalo top five offense. 
top five defense. You know, uh, number you know, you know, their rushing defense isn't that great, but they have number one pass defense. Uh, their their pass offense has been really good. Uh, did you know their rush offense is sixth in the NFL? I didn't know that until I just looked it up. No. Like I I thought they were like tenth to fifteenth. I'm like, this is a team that's just built to win football games, and when they win football games, they win them big. And you know, if they can get off to an early lead tonight, it, it could get really ugly for New England really quick. Jeff, I've got one last question here for you, and more or less this. Uh, you mentioned your top two teams being the Bills and the Chiefs, and it would be a shame to see them facing off around too soon. But uh, I just want to get your gauge on the rest of the AFC playoff picture and uh, really where you would rank the hierarchy of the seven teams. Well, I know Tennessee's the one seed. I can't go against Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes yep. in January. I just mm-hmm. can't. So. I'm going to go with Chiefs first. I'm going to go Buffalo two. I think Kansas. I mean, I think Tennessee. I think I have them at three. I really like them with Derrick Henry. I think Mike Vrabel gets the most out of that team. I hate their division. I think the AFC South sucks. That's why they are the number one seed. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, so you know, I'm just going to call a spade a spade on that one. Um, so I'll go Tennessee three. I think Cincinnati's a very dangerous four. I mean, Cincinnati's got the offense. They could beat anybody in this league. But you know, can they get off this? Playoff jinx, and I it really I think Cincinnati is the team that can go in Tennessee and beat them. You know, if if we get chalk in the first round here, then I would go. I think I go New England five. I think I go uh, the Raiders six, and Pittsburgh's obviously the the seven. I mean, uh, Pitt, Pittsburgh's terrible. I don't know why they're in the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> you know, you, you get that Carson Wentz in the Indianapolis for that one, but it, it, it's just. I, I don't know. Like, the AFC had so many good teams this year, but then they all started to play each other, and then you're like, okay, yeah, yep. Baltimore probably isn't that good this year, and, you know, Cleveland wasn't that good. The AFC North beat each other up. The AFC South stunk. Um, you know, yeah. the AFC East actually turned out to be really good, you know, with the Dolphins, you know, mm-hmm. making their rally. So I, I think that that's the biggest crime with Buffalo and New England this weekend. They're playing each other, and they've been battle-tested all year, and unfortunately one of them's going home. It's tough to, you know, you mentioned the Steelers in the playoffs. It's to not have Justin Herbert in or, you know, even Lamar Jackson. It's a shame that he got injured for sure. It definitely is way more wide open in the AFC. Is there another game this weekend outside of Bills Patriots you're really looking forward to? Obviously, you're an Eagles guy, but um, is there a game specifically you're really excited to watch? Ironically, Lou, I'm not looking forward to the Eagles game. I'm not even. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just not. I'm being realistic with you here. So I'll go Dallas and San Francisco. I've been beating the drum that the Dallas Cowboys aren't really as good as everybody thinks they are. They're definitely not a Super Bowl contender, and I love the fact they're getting San Francisco because Michael Parsons versus Trent Williams could be a nightmare and for the Cowboys. And the Cowboys really got to keep Michael Parsons as linebacker this week, and they got to rely on guys like, you know, um, uh, Tank Lawrence to actually get to the quarterback. And I, I don't know. I just feel like the 49ers are going to be that team. They are going to run Elijah Mitchell. They're going to run Debu Samuel. Jimmy G is going to connect a lot of passes to George Kellen. The 49ers are going to win ugly, but they're going to win by 14 points against this football team. I, I just feel like Dallas just beat up on a bad NFC East this year, and they're 6-5 and five against everybody else. And they're going to face an NFC West division team from that division, which mm-hmm. I love. It's a shame that we're – it, it, it's really a shame the Rams and Cardinals are playing each other too because I, I think the I think the NFC West has been the best division in football this year and I think they're, they're going to stake their claim to that this Wild Card weekend. Jeff, before I let you go, what's your hunch right now with the Super Bowl? Like if I, if you had to make a prediction before we get any games going, uh, what's your hunch? 
Well, I was the jerk that picked Kansas City to go to Super Bowl three yep. and four. So I got so I got stick with them. I mean, you know, everybody thought I was crazy, and I don't sound too crazy now. Uh, if Kansas City don't go, I think Buffalo goes out of the AFC. So I'll go that route. Um, I got Kansas City in the AFC. In the NFC, I, I keep thinking Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay are going to go. They should go. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to just ignore what Tampa Bay is doing right now. And, yeah. I, you know, they're, they're sort of depleted. I mean, Green Bay, it should be the Packers Chiefs. It should be a rematch of Super Bowl one, But I think we might get another Bucks chiefs rematch in the Super Bowl. I, I will go Packers-Chiefs, but I, I'm going to hold reservation on that because I, I still can't go against Tom Brady. <laughs> Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports joining us on the Western Hotline here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. I will say real quick to both of you Eagles guys, like I'm not going to feel too bad for you being in your feelings tomorrow because uh, that's going to be us tonight. So uh, (laughs) you can find a best of luck. You can follow Jeff. Uh, I'm going to say this: the Eagles cannot cover Rob Gronkowski. They can't cover tight ends, and that is a problem when you don't get home on a quarterback. So it could be a long day tomorrow. Absolutely. Jeff, as always, great stuff, man. You can follow Jeff on Twitter, at Jeff Kerr CBS, and we'll talk soon. It sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks, Jeff. All right, that's Jeff Kerr of CBS joining us on the Western Hotline. Uh, great stuff, as always. He's still on the Chiefs bandwagon, and hard to disagree with Hard that. to ignore it. Yeah, I mean, it's they very did come hard. back. Like, it was great the, the first, what was it, Zach, the first six weeks where the Chiefs are just dreadful. It was brutal. And we're just, like, dancing on their grave, and it's a little premature. But, I, mean, uh, I mean, they were awful. They were awful. No, like, yeah, it, it was wasn't totally something justified. that it was like. Yeah, it was, nothing yeah. drives me more nuts is like after like an eight and one run, people go back and like old t- old takes exposed. Like, yeah. this was a bad take. It's like no, at the time, like don't, at the like, time they were dreadful. What they're doing now does not negate what happened. Again, it's Derek's earlier point of how open the NFL is right now. The Chiefs were bad for a month and a half, and there has been every team in the NFL has had those moments. Some just for a week like Green Bay and some for long stretches like the Chiefs and the Bills have had a, a tough stretch this year as well. Everybody's going through it and that's why it's wide open and it makes this playoffs. I haven't been excited to for a playoffs like this year in, in a long time. So yeah, it's exciting is, to kick it off. It's exciting to kick this off. It's. I mean, there's another game that's going to precede this that is going to be just as exciting to me, I think. I can't wait for I'm Bengals Raiders. I'm going to love to watch Bengals Raiders and then you follow it up with Bills Patriots. Like this yeah. might be the best slate for it's the a entire great weekend. Slate. I mean, he met Jeff mentioned too. You know, outside of the two games I'm covering, I'm most excited for that Bengals Raiders game. Yeah. I feel like that is an opportunity to be a th- both teams scoring 30 plus. Exactly what that Raiders Chargers game was. I could feel that with Burrow and Carr today. Um, but as he mentioned, like Cardinals Rams on Monday night, I could see the Niners beating Dallas. Although at Jimmy Garoppolo, I would be more excited if it was Trey Lance. I could see San Francisco doing it. And everybody wants to write off Pittsburgh, as I do too. I hate that the Chargers aren't in the playoffs. Because That's big their the Steelers, fault, man. I know it's on them, and <laughs> you know the Steelers have been winning games like seventeen to sixteen pretty much every week. But at the same time, the the Chiefs should be the favorite, probably still in the AFC. But if you told me tomorrow that the Steelers found a way to win, you know twenty to seventeen, and that defense was locked down and. Big Ben made a couple big plays in the fourth quarter. I I mean, that's the game I, I think is most likely to be the top seed winning, but I wouldn't bat an eye there either. Yeah, it's it's again, I'm going to say it. How many times have I said it in your in your presence here, Louie? Anytime we've hosted a show, the NFL's drunk off its ass. It's fun and to watch, though. I it, love it. It's been pure chaos this year, and I want some of what the NFL is taking because it has just been – euphoric at times and insane yeah. the rest well, especially when you got to watch college football in the way that's just so i don't watch college football that stuff is pretty predictable for sure yeah that's too predictable this has been 
This has just been chaos incarnate this season. All right, we got to hit another break. This is Sports Talk Saturday on WGR. 803-0550 is the number to call. We'll get back to your thoughts after the break, and we'll continue to preview Bill's Patriots right here on WGR. All right, it's the bottom of hour two here on Sports Talk Saturday on WGR Sports Radio 550. I'm Louis DiBiase, Derek Kramer joining me, Zach Jones on the board. Thanks to Jeff Kerr of CBS Sports joining us on the West Her Hotline. We are continuing to preview Bills Patriots kickoff at 815. We have coverage with you on WGR up until kickoff. Get your calls in 803-0550. You can hit us up on Twitter at DBSLOE at Derek Kramer 49 and then of course at WGR 550. Um, it's going to be as we said cold tonight projected to be what 7 degrees by kickoff. I guess the good thing is though Derek as we said unlike that first game a lack of wind. I don't a think it's going to snow or big. rain really. And that's the biggest part because you know I think that's what really held you back. I'm not. A, I'm not scared of Josh Allen throwing in seven degree weather. It's, it more had to do with the wind and the rain, which makes it difficult. Yeah, it, it was the wind and the rain that was the really problematic thing about that game, and the Bills coached themselves out of the game because of the wind. They took it too much into right. a factor, and they coached very scared. Uh, until the fourth quarter when they were like, okay, Josh actually could still throw it in this wind against the wind, so we're still going to have to do no, that because we're not really running the point. football well. Yeah, that's a really they, good point. They put themselves, they shot themselves in the foot the last time they played New England because of the wind, and they were yeah. too cautious. It was more what the weather did to their mindset rather than yes. the, what the weather actually did to the on-the-field play. Exactly. They like The run blocking was not there, and they were trying to just continuously tr- try to put themselves into a second or third and eight because they ran the football on first and second down a lot, even though they know that that's not how they move the football as effectively. So they got in their own heads in that game. And I, and since then, I've seen McDermott be far more aggressive. That second New England game, yeah. my God, what a revelation that was. Constantly going for it on fourth and short. Yeah. He was not scared at all. To be honest, he went back to what he was doing before that. Exactly. Game. Like that game, he coached more terrified than I've ever seen him. Yeah. And I know that there was a lesson to take out of that because the question that was asked of him was, hey, you got did you get outcoached by Bill Belichick? No. And I think he realized that he did it to himself. Yeah, it he played was himself. Way more self-induced. And again, I don't want to discredit the Patriots, but yeah, I totally think the weather did something to their mindset philosophically about how aggressive they were going to be. And, you know, you mentioned after that. McDermott got back to being the aggressive minded head coach that he is. And to be honest, I thought it was going to, the reason I was so skeptical, uh, skeptical of McDermott when they hired him in 2017 is, you know, there, there, there's a conservative approach that comes with a lot of defensive minded coaches, right? You know, Rex Ryan was like this too, where you don't want to put your defense in bad situations, turn the football over, put them in a bad spot. It's all about field position. It's about relying on that strength of the unit. So sometimes when you're on your own 45 yard line, you're not going to go for it on that fourth and two. But and that's why I was skeptical of McDermott. It's why I'm skeptical a lot of the times of defensive coaches. You know, you look at Vic Fangio before he got fired in Denver. A lot of them, you know, it, the narrative formed because of a lot of proven facts from these guys becoming head coaches, but you know, Derek as you mentioned, McDermott did not become that guy. He became that guy against New England, and it was disappointing to see, but for the majority of his stint in Buffalo in the last five years, he has been the opposite. And and that's such a 
uh, a positive revelation because I did not think that was going to be the outcome when he was hired. I thought he would be a person that was afraid to draft somebody like Josh Allen and afraid to be as aggressive as he's been. But he's been the opposite, and I think he's going to learn from that game. I think the entire coaching staff and the players as well will learn from that first game in Buffalo. And now that you're back in a similar environment, definitely more doable without the wind and precipitation, I do still think they're going to be aggressive today. I still think they're going to be a pass-heavy offense. And although it's not an advantage to have it be like seven below 10 degrees um, for such a pass-heavy attack, I honestly feel like home field advantage this year has not helped the Bills. I feel like it's been a disadvantage based on the way they're structured. But the way the Patriots are structured, too, I think it helps the Bills. Because, again, how often are you going to be able to win games when your quarterback is throwing three times? I don't think the Patriots are going to have that mindset again today. But I don't think they're going to be able to rely on their quarterback in these conditions as much as the Bills are with Allen. Yeah, I I think that a lot of this is just going to have to deal with you look at what you did last game and do it again. Or counteract what you think they're going to defend against. There's going to be a lot of sentiment probably thinking about the fact of New England being scarred by Isaiah McKenzie. Yeah. Uh, and if that's going to be the case, expect a lot of soft zone. Expect a lot of playing off and trying to uh, really mitigate the crossing patterns that McKenzie was dicing them with last game. However, if that happens, that means that there's going to be a lot more opportunity for Stephon Diggs to get open because if they're not man-on-man, then J.C. Jackson isn't going to be constantly on Diggs. And the other one being Cole Beasley. Yeah, Beasley is a master at finding those soft spots in the zone, and while he's had a less effective season in terms of yards and touchdowns in particular, uh, he matched his career best in receptions. Mm. This would be one of those games that you'd see him doing that. Dawson Knox down the middle uh, as a tight end option against those linebackers that's another great idea for them if there's going to be a lot of zone however if new england wants to try to match you up man on again have fun because there's no jalen mills in this game yeah so whoever the hell is up against emmanuel sanders or gabe davis or isaiah mckenzie they're going to struggle who killed the patriots in the last game and that would just show me that you learned zero lessons from that game too So I don't expect that. I expect that they're going to counter probably with a lot of zone. I expect that they're going to try to mitigate what happened last time. But if that happens, oh, I dare you. I dare you to do it because then that leaves me with Stephon Diggs and some good, good looks. I think another key to this game is starting fast because to me, the Patriots are not a team that's built to play from behind. And it's for the same reasons that we're talking about here, where they're just not a football team that's going to win games when you're throwing 30-plus times. Where you're asking Mac Jones to go out and win the football game, especially in conditions like today. You know, the Bills don't have Tredavious White, but this is not the matchup where you're really going to be missing him. I don't. The Patriots just don't have that vertical threat. They don't have that wide receiver that could really disrupt that mismatch, that, uh, that matchup. I don't think there is a mismatch in that way. And so, to me, if the Bills do not shoot themselves in the foot like they did the last time the Patriots were in Orchard Park, and they build a lead here, I think that's the key. I'm not saying that they have to... You know, again, we're talking about how you know, this team is built through the pass and they need to, you know, continue with that and the weather shouldn't really hold that back tonight. I'm not saying this team is going to throw the way they did in Foxborough. I'm not saying they're, they need to, th- you know, throw 40 times and they need to score 40 points. I think the, Derek, the difference, what we're talking about more is just the m- aggressive mindset when it comes to, you know, decision making. It doesn't have to, that doesn't have to always mean throwing the football. 
I think a key today is going to be the rushing attack. It's going to be Josh Allen using his legs. Like, that is going to be a significant key. It's just, it doesn't, you know, aggression and passing, they don't always have to come hand in hand. And to me, I think the, the lesson you needed to learn more about that game was what you decided not to do based off fear of the weather. And I think that'll be crucial, and I think if you can go in the opposite direction, that'll help you start a lot faster, and that's also crucial because the Patriots, I mean, we saw that game against the Colts was the perfect example. When a team ran down their throats and built up a lead, Mac Jones couldn't come back. Even look at the game, the second game of Buffalo. They start hot. That's right. And they took the necessary risks to get a touchdown right away on that first drive. They went for it on fourth down, fourth and goal, and Allen delivered that dart to Isaiah McKenzie, and that was important because – you need to start hot against New England because otherwise they can control the game script. That was why I was not as scared of New England or Indy when they were still alive because if you get out big quick, they can't do what they do best. If you get out quick on these guys, you can make them have to throw to win, and they can't, especially against Buffalo's top-rated pass defense, which has been obnoxiously good even without Tredavious White. And you can thank a lot of that for your two incredible safeties, Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, who was named to the um, first-team All-Pro. And that's awesome and Hyde second team, yeah. he has not gotten the credit he deserves this year. He missed the Pro Bowl, but again, I don't really put too much credit into the Pro Bowl. Um, so that's definitely a key to that. And although the Bills are better than anybody against the pass, um, Derek still, for the reasons you mentioned and that I laid out about you know playing with a lead, how the Colts and the Patriots, the Tennessee Titans, like these teams just don't, do well if like a team like Buffalo and Josh Allen start off hot. You know, you look at the NFL this year and you look at some of the teams that have made it. There are a lot of run heavy teams that got in, right? Tennessee is one of them. The Colts were fighting for it. Um, Pittsburgh is one of those teams. The New England Patriots are in the NFC, San Francisco, Philadelphia. There are a lot of run first teams. There's a bunch of different offensive philosophies Can that you made really the postseason. Can call Pittsburgh a run first team when Ben still throws I just, it thirty probably to fifty based times on, a game? Yeah, probably based on necessity <laughs> or what what works at least with Najee Harris. But so while those there's a lot of those teams that went in that direction this year pretty heavily and, and it resulted in the playoffs. I am still uh, still much more fearful of a team like Kansas City. You know, a team in the NFC like Green Bay or Tampa Bay, uh, Arizona, Los Angeles. That you know, Cincinnati. Even Vegas, like when a team like that can get hot in the passing game, that is still the more dangerous threat to not getting deep into the postseason. Even though that's the how the rules are. Yeah, the league is built to have your track stars yeah. and your track meets. That's why I don't think this year showed suddenly there's a new change like of no. what offense is going to be. Are there teams that again had to adjust based on their quarterback play by running a lot and did it lead to short term success? Yes, but. Look just a year ago what the Final Four was. It was the four best quarterbacks in football. It was Mahomes, it was Allen, it was Brady, and it was Rodgers. And although a lot of those run teams got in this year, I still am convinced that by the end of this, it's going to come down to, I don't want to be a like you know, one-trick pony. Who am I, but, like if I'm asking anybody, yeah. who are the favorites? Like we asked Jeff Kerr, and right. who did he put there as the four, player, four teams that he mentioned? Yep. Buffalo, Kansas City, Green Bay. In Tampa, like how many how many people have you seen predict Tennessee to make it, even as the one seed? I haven't seen anybody do that. No, I because se- Ryan Tannehill yeah. is not good, and their offensive identity is they have to hand the football mm-hmm. off. And again, if you get up big on them, you can do this, and that's why that Bills loss to the Titans earlier was so frustrating because they had a lead and they didn't successfully keep the pedal down, and that's that's how Tennessee retook that lead, and that's how you lost that game. I think that. Again, there's no 
better team, I'd say, other than Kansas City and Tampa Bay when it comes to being able to start hot. I'm including Green Bay in this statement because Green Bay has needed their defense to step up at times for them this season. Buffalo, obviously, they have the defense to make sure you start hot because teams typically have a rough sledding against them. Right. If the offense, the, this team goes as far as Josh Allen, and that's the obvious statement of the year. But I think it gets off to a good start tonight. Is there, you know, before we take a break, we're talking a lot about how if the Bills are going to lose this football game, what would that look like? And a lot of it would be just like that first game, a lot of self-induced mistakes. They can't stop the Red run. zone effectiveness. Yeah. I think the Patriots, their rushing attack, it is the strength of their offense. Those are a lot of things that could cost them. Is there like a specific, the thing is though, I'm trying to think of like a specific matchup that could dictate this game, like the biggest one you're watching, but really is there I'd one? I'd say it's red zone offense versus the Patriots yeah. red zone defense. That's it. That's I don't my, think there's like a player versus player matchup no. that I'm saying could really dictate this. No. And I mean the best, like the most enticing player v player matchup is uh, JC Jackson, Stephon Diggs. Diggs. Yeah. Uh, other than that, there's really not much of that around here in this game. And again, you'd mentioned it in the last couple segments that that's how New England's built. I do think, though, that if you need to make sure to put the pressure on McCorkle Jones, you need to score in the red zone, make it count. And I'm not talking scoring the red zone with field goals. No. You put the pressure on them the same exact way that you did in Foxborough. Score touchdowns, make them have to match you. Yeah. Because eventually they can't rely on Damian Harris alone to do that. I agree. And uh, when it comes to that Diggs-JC Jackson matchup, uh, Diggs didn't really have a problem on the 26th of December. Seven catches for 85 yards and a touchdown in Foxborough. So, um, yeah, there really isn't like a player versus player matchup that's really going to dictate this. Football that's game. right, because he also had that uh, the, yeah. the catch. His touchdown was a certified hashtag piss missile. That's right. 803-0550 is the number to call. We're going to hit another break. We've got Mike Debate of Lockdown Patriots joining us at the top of the hour. Derek Kramer joins me. I'm Lou DiBiase. Zach Jones on the board. This is WGR. All right, back here for another quick segment before we get into Hour 3 of Sports Talk Saturday. Playoff style, the Bills take on the Patriots in Orchard Park tonight at 8.15. We have coverage with you until 8.15 kickoff. I'm Louis DiBiase. He's Derek Kramer, Zach Jones on the board. We have Mike DeBate of Locked on Patriots joining us at the 2 o'clock hour. Um, some interesting news in the AFC East broke uh, about 20 minutes ago while we were talking Bills. Uh, Benjamin Albright, NFL insider on Twitter, uh, he was talking about Deshaun Watson. He said his understanding was that Brian Flores, before he was fired, wanted Deshaun Watson, as did uh, Ross, their, uh, Stephen Ross, the owner. Stephen Ross, the owner. Correct. And uh, Watson apparently came extremely close to being a Dolphin in October he just needed to settle the last three or four civil suits to agree to settle. Obviously, that did not happen. And Adam Schefter talked about today how with Flores now being out, it seems like the Dolphins are out on Watson, and Watson is out on the Dolphins. So uh, that's big AFC East news, as the Bills would have had to play, you know, as horrible as this news is and as awful as it is to think about him playing football again, uh, would have been tougher to play a quarterback like that twice a year. Yeah, but at the same time, how he has handled the quarterback situation is exactly why Brian Flores should have been fired. I think he handled everyone, it exactly everyone, the way he should have. Everyone, no, no, no. Everyone's saying, like, oh, why did Brian Flores get fired? And I'm thinking to myself, 
Why didn't you guys look at how he handled the quarterback situation? He didn't. He didn't take Tua one spot over Justin Herbert. No, it no, was no. the general manager. That's fine. Why did the GM get to stay? That was on him. No, that's fine. But again, when you start juggling your quarterbacks, nobody works. I would have nobody too, wins. the way Tua was playing. Ready? If you juggle your starters, nobody wins. People get fired when nobody wins. And when your team... You also get fired when you draft a franchise quarterback that's not a franchise quarterback and gives you a reason to bench him. Tua should have had... It shouldn't have been close where you were thinking between him and Fitzpatrick. But why was that a thing? Why would he come in... Tua. I know, but like, why are you coming in mid-game... Several times, sure, I and agree. swapping your quarterback. I agree. Early on in Tua's rookie year, yeah, they decided when they, they decided started, when they started him. Tua that meant that they should have been about the long term future. But because Fitz had them in contention, they had the short term in mind as well. So when Tua struggled, they pulled him. And you should not do that once you put your guy in. And they kept doing that back and forth, and they did that this year as well. So I do agree the mindset there it was misguided, but. It was the execution. The general of it. manager, he had a generational player, a pick after, and you took Tua, and yet you keep your job. I and Flores, for all his you know downfalls in Miami, I mean the guy won nearly twenty games in two years with a roster that I don't think is all that. But great. if you go on a seven a game losing streak, um, sorry, you kind of then he won eight up... straight again, <laughs> again, too little, too late. Yeah, I, I mean, I disagree that I think Flores should not have gotten fired. I think it should have been the general manager. I think the way he handled it, everyone should have got fired. And then there was the whole report from or, uh, Mike Lombardi on a podcast said that. Um, so th- there was a miscommunication, but the understanding was that Flores was yelling at Tua one time in the film room and said, if you keep playing like this or if, the way you're playing, I should have took Mac Jones. But apparently Flores didn't even really say that. Um, I guess Lombardi was saying that's what he should have probably said. But so some of the stuff about Flores out there, I don't know. I mean, he's going to get a head coaching job somewhere else. It's interesting. I think he already had an interview with Houston. Which so is who big knows? because I mean, he, he was, Watson to stay. Yeah. Like that. I don't be, know if they're beyond that point with the Texans. I don't. Yeah. Like maybe Watson might not want to well, stay there, but if, if Flores ends up the well, guy. Yeah, with the, with the Houston situation with yeah. Watson at least in terms of the player, it's more ownership. Right. That's mm-hmm. who he was upset with. Right. I don't really know if Flores can keep him. Yeah. But, Not to mention how the roster is yeah. abysmal. So, you know, you already had an issue with ownership and the organization as a whole. I just it's so frustrating to talk about Watson because he has no right to have this kind of leverage. So that's just this whole situation is a mess and thank God the Bills don't have to deal with this kind of stuff. Sports Talk Saturday, WGR Sports Radio 550, Louis DiBiase, Derek Kramer, Zachary Jones hanging out with you for another hour. Mike DeBate joins us of Lockdown Patriots coming up next. This is WGR.